and welcome to this podcast series, This PhD Thinks, with me, Jovina Ang. I'm here to talk to the PhD community. Talking to these individuals have challenged me, made me think differently, and helped me grow as a leader and a person. And I hope you'll be able to take away a thing or two from the conversations with my guests. And by, by freeing people to think about the anti-company and freeing thought to think about your own organization's obituary, that provides a rich source of material that you can actually take away and do something with. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Les Buckley. Les is a ludologist, a former corporate head honcho, and an affiliate professor. Hello, Dr. Ang. It's great to be here. Thank you very much. From one PhD to another. <laughs> so, Les, what the heck is a lud- ludologist? Somebody that's interested in games, uh, playing games, using games for teaching uh, in my particular point. And if we're going to do this properly, I'm going to have to ask you, can you log into the game? And for those of you out there, who would also like to play along as we're playing, the uh, the address is ncase, small n-c-a-s-e dot m-e slash trust. And we're going to be playing a very simple trust game. And I'll use that to talk about what I've started doing in the last three or four years. Okay, Les, I'm on the website. Tell me what do I need to do. Mm. Fantastic. Well, now, interestingly enough, you've raised the first point. So if we're going to be looking at games as a means of engaging people, they actually need to have three things. And it's an interesting approach to games. They, they, you need to have comprehension. The rules need to be very simple. So in this, the rules are once you've clicked through, you have two choices. Because the second thing after comprehension is execution. It needs to be easy to do. And in this, you either you press one of two buttons. And the third element of, of a really good game after easy comprehension and easy execution is the strategy. Putting together the rules and the moves so that you're able to learn and win as a result of it. So this game I've selected because it is incredibly easy to understand. Um, it's about creating trust, um, which is something that we we need to do more of from a business perspective. Um, And the rules are very simple. You have a choice of two things. You can either um, cooperate or you can defect. It's an iterated prisoner's dilemma. Uh, And in terms of how you do it, you have two choices. So use your mouse and click on one or the other. Let's get into it. And and seeing this as a podcast, uh, you need to tell us what you're doing. Okay, so now I'm looking at a screen. It says during World War One, peace has broken out. You can move off from that. That's a very nice indication. Okay, um, uh, setting the game up. Okay, I'm looking at a screen. You're yeah, in, the I'm game. in the game. Yep, and you should. Yeah, good. You should have two two choices to defect or to cooperate. If the other player says cheat and doesn't put in yeah, a coin, cheap. what do I do? Yeah, so here's the so again, the rules are very simple. You either cheat or you cooperate by putting a coin into the coin operation. And if you put a coin in and you both cooperate, you actually win. But if you cheat, you win more. 
And if somebody cheats when you cooperate, you win, you lose. And if you both cheat, you lose more. So this is an iterative prisoner's dilemma style of game, which is really great in trying to understand relationships between you and your business partners, you and uh, your working relationships. How do we work together? How do we collaborate? How do we cooperate? So what are you going to do? Right. I always start with, you know, uh, high trust first until something happens. I'm going to cooperate. Do that. Yeah. Okay. Good, good. Yep. So you've got a hypothesis. So one of the th- one of the hardest things that we have to do is because people often just start playing is we need to get them to stop and think about a hypothesis because without a hypothesis, it's very hard to learn. If any, you know, if, if your strategy is chong, uh, click, 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 you learn very little. In the same way, if your strategy is uh, kiasi, uh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. What we want is, is steady pompipi. You can tell I've been here a long time. So we want you. We we want you to have a hypothesis and maybe test. Yes, hypothesis. yes. So your maybe we should explain what Kiasi means because there'll be people outside Singapore. I hope so. Kiasi yeah. means you know fear of losing, uh, fear fear of losing. So you don't want to do anything in case you lose. So you've you've chosen to cooperate. Keep going. Keep playing. What's happening? All right. So player cooperate. So I'll start. Co- I'll keep cooperating. Because that's okay, my basis. Yeah. Fine. Mm-hmm. That's your that's your hypothesis, and we're going to test what happens there. And what and while you're doing while you're doing that, I'll just explain why I got into games. Well, the reason I got into games um, is is a, we we all need to have something that we are known for. And if you're in a university, there are an incredible number of very learned professors, and then there's me. So how am I going to set myself apart from others? And I thought um, one of the ways was to use simulations. And I, I use quite a few simulations in the way that, um, that I teach. And the reason for that is that teaching is really, really easy. Learning is difficult. And the biggest challenge that I have, and I have especially with the executives, is engaging people to be able to learn. Um, we have to be able to create interest and involvement, get people invested, and get them to try and experiment. And by doing that, with that uh, interest and involvement and investment and experiment, people will learn. Now, when I started off, um, I just started talking. And as you know, I can talk a lot. And that is really, and that's and that's really boring because you're standing up there, blah, 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 just like Charlie Brown's teacher. And people start going to sleep because you're passively absorbing information. And, and listening is probably the least effective means of engaging. So then I started using case studies. And the challenge that I have with case studies is it requires an enormous amount of pre-work to get people involved or work during the session. And that work um, may be um, returned in terms of learning. But it's a very, again, it's it, you aren't invested in the case. And the other challenge with cases is that people are often looking for, searching for the right answer. Um, and typically every case will have a right answer. So it's still passive. 
it's more of an intellectual challenge, but people are not really invested in the outcome because the outcome is preordained. Keep pressing. I can see you're not pressing. Keep playing the game. Keep playing. Yeah, no, that's no, okay. Keep, keep. Oh, oh, sorry. Sorry. I don't, I didn't, I, I'm listening to you. I didn't know I was supposed to keep playing. Yeah, keep playing, keep playing. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're having just a very nice conversation. Okay. So, mm-hmm. what, so I, I used cases and really there, there was some intellectual engagement, but we failed to bridge what we call in academia, if I can do that, if I can call myself that, the knowing doing gap. People know, but they don't actually do. So the challenge for me was how can I make what we talk about and discuss intellectually practically applicable? And the way that I came up with was initially simulations, and we do have some computer simulations. Some of them are group-related, some of them are individual. But these are quite expensive, um, and none of them are owned by the university that we work with, the SMU. So, you know, in terms of value, the value is going out. So I decided that I would start creating some of my games or finding games that were easy to apply. The trust game is one of those. It's an individual game. Interestingly enough, I have a very close facsimile of this. Um, it's an iterated prisoner's dilemma, but... You see, the problem that you've got is you're not really invested in the decisions because there's really no, you're not invested in the outcome. So what I try and do is to create a scenario that people can invest in and then can act out in terms of the decisions that they've got. Um, yeah. Right. So Les, can I ask you, how has, how has um, learning um, through games helped you to learn? Because I know you're always constantly learning. How has that helped you? Um, in your learning journey? Well, I, I think it's made my brain younger um, because when, when we were working, we did stuff and we often didn't have time to take a step back and think of the stuff that we were doing as a, as a system um, based on a mental model and a series of hypotheses that we take and apply. We just did stuff. We just acted. And Sometimes it worked and sometimes it didn't work. And when it didn't work, we learnt that's experience, but it was painful and we didn't want to do it again. Right. So tell me, what is one interesting game that you've played lately or you have um, introducing your class lately? Um, I've came across a very simple game called Deep Sea Dive. And there are four or five people stuck in a submarine and you go diving to pick up buried treasure. Now, the moment you dive and you roll a dice and you move, and we have little meeples, they're the the sort of game players that you have, and you go all the way down and you can pick up treasure along the way. But the moment you pick up treasure, um, holding the treasure means you start using oxygen. You draw oxygen from a common oxygen tank. This is the tragedy of the commons. Uh, Joint resources used for individual benefit. Additionally, the moment you pick up one of these pieces, these jewels or whatever they are, you slow down. So for every jewel you carry, you lose one move. And we play that um, and people fail and they have to get rescued and they come back and then we sit down and say, okay, 
Now let's look at this from a strategic perspective. Let's now decipher this game and let's think of it as strategy. Strategy is about direction, fantastic. But it's also about alignment because there are four of you, five of you, all using common resources to generate individual benefits. You all have different goals. Oh, you didn't realize you had different goals? You didn't share your goals? Ah, this is where a lack of alignment comes in. And then you had a plan, but you didn't stick to it. Ah, commitment. So strategy is direction plus alignment plus commitment. And by playing the game, it demonstrates that you need to have all three. So what I ask them to do is, why don't you go and create a strategy for you all to win the game? So they, they have 20 minutes, they come up, there are problems and possibilities, opportunities, threats, strengths, weaknesses. Some people can dive better. Some people have more demands. And then we play the game again. And then we debrief again to say, congratulations. How did it go? Oh, we forgot to write down what our strategy was. Ah, okay. So while you had direction, it wasn't necessarily aligned. Yeah, we didn't quite agree, but we still played anyway. Yeah. Okay. And did everybody stick to the plan? No, sometimes it didn't. Ah, commitment. Now, team team number one over there, you, you really did well. What contributed to doing well? We had direction. We had alignment. We had commitment. Fantastic. Well done. Here's a prize. Team number two, you didn't do so well. What contributed? Well, we weren't so sure on the direction. We didn't know what we wanted to do. People weren't aligned with doing what we're doing. And some people changed their minds halfway through. They wanted to achieve their own personal goals, right? The total goals. And then we were rescued. And you can do that with a case. And I teach strategy with Uber and Grab. But the moment you have people physically moving, physically grabbing things, physically getting involved, laughing, engaging, they learn so much faster and they have their own personal engagement and they, they can share their own personal views and they're really invested in the outcome that people aren't invested in when you start talking about Grab versus Uber. Yeah, I've been in a cab, but yeah, that's nice. But I really want to win this game because, you know, and, you know, I, ha I have some jewels that I pass around and people can win the jewels and play with the jewels. And, and it's all part of the fun element that needs to be part of a serious game. Interesting, interesting. So how do you, how do we then make a game uh, a very uh, important part of work then, because you know it's you know it's so easy to do it in the classroom. But how do we make game um, a necessary part of work then? How can leaders take that back? Well, uh, uh, other organisations that do this, Lego is fantastic. They use Lego blocks to be able to enable people to think in different ways. There are a range of intellectual imagination games that, that can be played. Um, for example, I've got a couple. One of them is the anti-company game. And it's, an, it's for senior executives. It's a thought exercise where you spend time listing all of the assumptions, all the resources, all the capabilities, all of the rules of your current company. And then you take that and reverse it. And you create the anti-company that's opposite to everything that you do. And I learned about this when hotels were being 
impacted by Airbnb. Airbnb is really the anti-hotel. So if you are worried about being disrupted, one of the things you can do is play an intellectual game, the anti-company game, in a work environment, and that will sort of, oh, here, is this is 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 the anti version of us desirable to our customers? Is it feasible? Is it viable? And another of the games that I play is the pre mortem game, and I've used this a lot uh, when it comes to implementation. And the pre mortem game is: imagine your organization has died. It's five years in the future. Your company has died. I'd like you to write its obituary. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What killed it? And, and, in, and you know, write down all of the things that in five years' time you believe could have killed the company. And, again, you get a great deal. Most people don't like being negative, and therefore they probably won't float up the negative aspects of what's going on. We have been taught that we have to be absolutely positive about everything. Everything has to be positive. Don't be negative. Don't be a devil. And, and by... By freeing people to think about the anti-company and freeing thought to think about your own organization's obituary, that provides a rich source of material that you can actually take away and do something with. And for both of those, you can play it tomorrow just on what I've... They're very simple. Um, in terms of the, the comprehensive rules, it's very simple to do. Exec, uh, executing the game, you just need a whiteboard, uh, you know, some post-its, some um, pens, whatever. Strategically, though, it's very, very complex and, and rich and will be able to generate a lot of useful information to be able to take away and apply. ...by what you're saying. But you also gave me a really good idea because um, the future of work is, you know, rapidly, rapidly changing how work is shaping out. And if people were to just play this post-mortem game on their own careers, that's a, another uh, way yes. to how we can future-proof ourselves. And and actually, actually, the other thing is think of the anti-you. Yeah, I know. And yeah, and then find them as a partner. You know, the interesting thing is. <laughs> tell me, uh, tell me. When, well, no, no. When, when I I realize that. You often have frenemies at work, and this this guy, who if he's listening to this, will recognise that it's him. But I'm not making mentioning any names. We're almost the we were almost the exact opposites in every way, and we were really effective when he was my boss. Um, but we clashed a lot, and then we became colleagues, and we realised that actually together we were a really effective team. But boy was it hard to work together the things that you know we would both immediately turn each other off but in the end the benefits of working together were greater than the sacrifices so for example if you're looking to create a team you know create the anti-you you know that person needs to be in the team and then you look at various other elements there i certainly got a lot from my conversation with les thank you for tuning in this is the this PhD Things podcast with me, Jovina Ang. Bye-bye now.